Alright, well good morning everybody. Uh, good morning online and uh, good to see you. Uh, I don't think I have many announcements just saying that we will resume our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. We did predict last week off from Mother's Day, but uh, we're going to resume tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, don't mind God. And so we'll pick up tonight at 6 o'clock right here on face, uh, Facebook, Facebook Live. So otherwise, uh, same old, same old. Uh, everything just is moving forward for us. Anyway, I think without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into the message this morning. And uh, this might be just about one one part message. I don't know. Uh, I might end up doing two weeks on this. It's kind of a different message than I've never done before. And I uh, hope I'll explain it as I go forward. But I'm, I'm titling this A Holy Dissatisfaction. Those of you who follow Andrew Womack with us, uh, Andrew actually uses this term uh, a few times in his teachings. Andrew Womack, and I'll, I'll bring some light to that a little bit later in the, uh, my message. But uh, but I, I'm actually going to start off this morning by sharing a little bit of my own testimony, uh, how this is just kind of a topic of burning in my heart. I didn't necessarily put it in this phrase, a holy dissatisfaction, until I heard it from Andrew Womack and some other recent, recent discussions I've had in the last few months, and also something that we also got out of our Bible study on Sunday nights. Uh, from Andrew's book, Don't Want to God, and just kind of stir some of these thoughts up. And uh, anyway, I just thought it's been burning on my heart, so I thought I would teach it and, uh, and put it in, uh, into perspective. And so, uh, it'll be a little different message than I've done before. And uh, uh, so, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to follow the Holy Spirit here and, uh, and go with that. So, hopefully, you can follow my heart in all this. And uh, But I'm just going to start off, like I said, with my own testimony as I talk about a holy dissatisfaction. You know, I grew up in a good Christian home, and my parents might even be watching, I don't know. I know they watch a lot of different times, especially in this quarantine season. But I grew up in a good Christian home. You know, we went to church every week, we went to church all the time. But I also remember being a toddler, and I don't remember all, all aspects of being a toddler, but there's one main thing that always has gone with me all these years. I remember uh, getting all my stuffed animals, lining them up on the bed or whatnot, and getting, I had a green, avocado green hamper, I thought, I believe we had. I had a big Bible, I had a couple different ones, I know, not that I could read yet, but I had a Bible anyway, and I had a blue one in particular, and I remember putting it on the, on the, uh, the hamper as my, as my podium. I remember getting my flashlight, it was red and silver, and I, I don't know how I did it, but I attached a string to it like a microphone, and I began to preach to my stuffed animals. Now, I didn't preach anything uh, really that edifying. Uh, you know, they, they, none of my stuffed animals are saved to this day. But uh, at the same point in time, uh, you know, but I remember imitating uh, uh, almost kind of like a fire and brimstone type message. You remember watch, I think it's Pollyanna, or uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <clears throat> but uh, uh, the, the preacher there preached a very uh, fire and brimstone type message. And so, and it's no, it's no wonder my, my stuffed animals are not saved today. But I remember imitating being a pastor but it, and, and a, a preacher and whatnot. But it wasn't a revival. And I'm not going to go all the specifics of that. But I remember the early stages of that. And some of my classmates were meeting on the football field at lunch. And at the beginning, I didn't go. And that bothered me. It didn't bother me that they were praying. It bothered me that I wasn't going. And I remember going home one particular evening. 
And uh, like I said, I grew up in a good Christian home. I had Bible reading. I uh, had a couple of Bible reading programs. I wasn't always faithful at it, but I, uh, I did have a system. And uh, that particular evening, I remember going home, and then I was just very disturbed with me. Why wasn't I on fire for God? Why didn't I want more of God? Why did I shy away from opportunities like that? Why didn't I desire, and I, there was all these different emotions and thoughts going in my mind. Why, 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 why was I acting this way? Why was I not participating? Uh, why didn't I want it? And I remember, and this was, and the reason I remember this night so much, because this is what the, when I grew up in a good Christian home, read the Bible, went to church, but this was the first time I remember having a conversation with God. I had a conversation, and He spoke. First time, I, it was the most intimate and the first conversation, intimate conversation I have with God. Now I'll never remember, that, never forget, the, forget that. And God had me go, and and I, I go ahead and show me the Matthew six thirty three. That's where I'll start. Matthew six thirty three. And like I said, I had I had Bible reading programs, and I actually had two at the time that I was following. And God just told me, "Go to your Bible reading for today." And He knew which order He knew which order I did the Bible, my Bible readings. And this was the first one I came came to. And um, sorry, it's a little small. I haven't picked that from last week. But he says, but, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you." And I remember asking the Lord. And this is the first time I remember ever questioning God or, or, or reading the verse. Usually I just took it at face value even though I didn't always understand it. But I remember just dialoguing with God because I was already in this attitude, this mindset. Lord, what do you mean sick me? What does that look like? I mean, remember I'm a teenager. I'm a sophomore in high school at this time. And I'm asking Lord, what does that look like? What does that mean seek you with all your heart? He says, well, go to your second Bible reading for today. And so turn with me real quick to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. I could quote both of these verbatim, but this is, I just want to follow you down the trail that I went that night. <clears throat> More likely, I read these in the NIV that particular night, but I'm reading from the New King James. <clears throat> and it says, For I know the thoughts that I have for you, are that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13 is really where I got my heart and my attention. And you will seek me and find me when you search me or seek me with all your heart. And again I went to the Lord. What do you mean seek you with all your heart? What does that look like? I'm trying to put this in just terms. And, and I mean if we're going to be real. Let's be real. What does this look like? And at the time, and even to this day, I have, I've always had three main prayer requests. But at that time, these three were very, uh, uh, I finally had put it down to three main prayer requests. I had other things I desired to pray for at times. But one was friends. Two was a girlfriend, which I would hope to be my best friend. And my third one was, uh, and that's a whole other story in itself, but well, I just want my life to count. I want my life to count for someone, for something, to have a purpose. And uh, God knew what those three things were, because I, I prayed them all the time. I cried over them all the time. 
And I just, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of emotion that went behind all that. But he says, this is how God answered me when I said, Lord, how do I seek you with all my heart? He said, I want you to pursue me and seek me like you seek those friends you so desire. There's so many girls, and not so many girls, I don't want to take that kind of picture. But it was a, there was a few girls through the years, my, through my uh, uh, junior high, high school years, that I had a crush on, or I, 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 I uh, had an eye for. And I would sometimes try to cross paths with them, you know, to see if something would uh, connect, and it, it never did. It never did. But he said, I want you to seek me like you would pursue that girl. You know, and I, I want you to seek me like you like you would seek anything else. And at the times I was in the baseball, I was in some sports. And I want you to seek me like your your greatest desires, your greatest passions. I want you to seek me. I want you to pursue me uh, like you never sought me before. And he says, "When you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart." In other words, God was also telling me, "I want to be your greatest friend." I want you to pursue me like you never saw anything else before. I want to be that friend to you. I want to be have a relationship with you. I want you to pursue me. And he also told me specifically, he says, when you read your Bible from now on, I don't want you just to go through the motions of reading your Bible for today. Because I remember as a child, I, I would go to read my, do my Bible reading, check it off for today, and that was about it. He says, I, I don't want you to, I want you, when you open the Word, I want you to pray first. Lord, teach me. Help me to understand. I'm going somewhere with all this. I'm just sharing my testimony a little bit right now. And he said, when you go to church, I want you to worship like you never worshipped before. I remember as a teenager, I would just stand there, sometimes sit there, and just go through the, the psalm service and the motion, you know, whatever. And I would, in my own mind, I was bored at many times. He said, I, don't, I want you to get a different attitude. I want you to get a different mindset. I want you to pursue me. Like you never did before. When the pastor's preaching, I want you to listen. Not just, and I, again, I'm talking as a teenager, but this is how, this is how God was ministering to me. <clears throat> but anyway, God wanted me to have a different attitude. And as I began to do that, I remember praying, and uh, again, our high school revival began to take off, and uh, during our break time, we had a break before lunch, and we had lunch, and then we uh, had a regular school day. But uh, a lot of I remember a lot of us would get together uh, during our breaks, and once we got our books for our next class, and, and maybe some of us got a snack, but some of us didn't. We would meet by I remember by being by room twelve, and we would we would uh, get in a circle and we would pray every day. And the, the, it seems like the the essence of that prayer was, Lord, we don't know how to be a Christian, but here we are. Teach us to serve you. Teach us to. To, 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 to love you, teach us to follow you. And that was kind of the scope of my prayer. And then that prayer began to change. Lord, they don't know how to seek you. They don't know you. There they are. Use us to reach our classmates. Use us to reach one another. And I'm just painting a picture of, 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 of God beginning to change my heart. I remember, I remember too, and I didn't do this perfectly, but I started off well with, for the next three years. I got up before the school ever opened, before the gates ever opened, I would circle my high school praying. Praying for revival, praying for my classmates. I would go around from locker to locker at times. I had these little blue index cards. With, it looked like a, a desert island with a bottle coming. Uh, and it was just on the back side was blank, and I would just write a prayer for different classmates. I didn't even know whose locker that was sometimes, most of the time. I just put a prayer, sometimes put some scriptures, I put it in their locker. 
So I just began to pray for people. God was doing revival in our high school, but God was doing a revival in me. Because during this whole season where I'm praying for others, I'm spending time with God. I'm being very intimate with God. And it was one of the most closest times I ever remember having with the Lord. Just walking with God. And I'm going somewhere with a holy dissatisfaction. But I remember it was during those years, too, that I just began to pray for revival. I wanted God, the God that I had read all my life. I knew the stories forwards and backwards. I loved them. But I saw how God uh, parted the Red Sea. I saw how God moved in David and Goliath. I saw how God moved through Esther and how God moved through Paul and other people and Samuel and Joseph and Daniel and others. And I wanted the God I read about to be alive in my life, in my church, in my school, and, uh, and answer my prayers. And me, I, you know, one of the most things I, I was always intrigued by through Scripture as a child was. God spoke to somebody, and someone spoke to him, and there was this dialogue. I, God was real. God spoke. God, and, and that one sophomore night, when I began to dialogue with God, that was the first time I ever remember having a dialogue with God. Not because he wasn't ready or willing, because I wasn't willing. And, uh, and, uh, but, I, but as I began to have a relationship with God, there grew this, what I want, I didn't call it then, but I call it now, a holy dissatisfaction. I wanted more of God. And even that night, that, that even prompted that whole prayer of why I didn't want to pursue God, why I didn't go down to that football field or that prayer meeting, there was this holy dissatisfaction, I believe, that stirred me, that motivated me to find out what's wrong, and I want more. And, I, and that's what the picture I'm trying to paint. I hope I'm making painting that picture a little bit with this. I'm, but I might give a few more examples, not just for me. It was also during that season of time I was also following a minister from New York called David Wilkerson. Some may have heard of him. Uh, he's most famous for, uh, he's actually a Texas pastor who got called to New York to minister the games. Uh, he has a book and a movie out. Uh, he's actually passed away now a few years ago. But uh, called The Cross and the Switchblade. And David Wilkerson went for minister to the games, and he saw a major revival in New York. He finally became the pastor of Times Square Church in New York. Uh, and so, uh, by the time I began to follow him, I get his newsletters every once in a while, or my family did, and I would read them. I always enjoyed reading them at the time. Um, but he had one particular newsletter that said, that, that was entitled, The Church's Greatest Hour is Still Ahead. And uh, in this letter, he was talking talk about David, King David, and how uh, David would uh, recite, and I turned, I'll have you turn to a couple of scriptures here. Go ahead and show with me the first part of Psalm 66. Again, this is a different kind of message I've preached before. I just, I'm using this introduction to set it up where I want to go with this. So just bear with me. Hopefully I'm making sense. But he was talking in this newsletter, David Wilkerson, about the, the, the Red Sea, where, where Israel crossed the Red Sea, and how this became one of the greatest miracles of, in Israel of all time. And throughout Scripture, especially throughout the Psalms, David and others would refer back to the Red Sea as being one of the greatest miracles. And if you read the Scriptures, they were actually commanded to teach their children and their children's children the miracles and the works of God. 
David heard this as a child, and David as a king and as a father was teaching his children the miracles of God. And some of these psalms just bear witness to that. And Psalm 66, verse 5 and 6 says, Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. He's talking about the Red Sea. And they went through the river on foot, and there, there will, will rejoice in him. Turn with me real quick to Psalm 78. And give another one. I'm not going to go through all these, but I'm just going to highlight a couple of these real quick. Psalm 78. We'll pick it up verse 2. It says, I will open my mouth in the parable. I will utter my doctrines of old, of which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We, are, we will not hide them from their children, telling them to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful work that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God's to keep His commandments. There's a lot here. But there was a, basically, God commanded the people to share the mighty works of God to their children and their children's children so that we would not forget who our God is. We need to, and not only do our children need to know, but we need to be reminded what our God did. Our, 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 who, who, and not only what He did, but who He is. Go with me one more real quick. And I want to tie this together. Psalm 44. Verses, starting with verse 1. And he says again, We have heard with our ears, our fathers, again, Psalm 44, verse 1. Have, we have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the people to cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. Verse 4. You, O my king, I mean, I'm sorry, you are my king, O God, command victories for Jacob. When I was reading this article from David Wilkerson, David Wilkerson was painted the picture as King David was learned of God's mighty works as a child. And then as a father and as a king was, share, was decreeing that we, and doing it himself, and sharing these works with, his, with uh, uh, his own children and with the people. But David also, David Wilkinson, began to paint a picture in this newsletter, or this article, how David finally just became, in a sense, dissatisfied, saying, Lord, I've heard all my life all the works that you've done, but do them in my day, do them in my time. You are my king. Do them in my day. My point I'm trying to get to is I'm not trying to rehash what David Wilkerson is saying. I'm just trying to say, David, I remember reading this as a child, as a teenager, and saying, I, was, I began to echo in my own heart, Lord, I want to see you work in my day. I want to see you work in my generation. I want to see you work in my church, in my school, in my life. I want to see miracles. I want to see people healed. To begin to rise uh, something in my heart that I want to see it too. 
There was a verse, there's a verse in Habakkuk chapter, chapter 3, verse 2. You don't have to turn to it. But Habakkuk said, praying a prayer, Lord, I've heard of your deeds. I've heard of your faith. Do it again in our day. Do it again in our time. There's a verse in 1 Samuel chapter 3 when Samuel began to hear the voice of God for the first time. And I felt as a sophomore, that was the first time I really heard the voice of God. And God began to tell Samuel some things as a child. He says, I'm going to do some things in Israel that will make the hearts of everyone tingle. And I'm like, Lord, I want you to do something in my generation, in my day, in my hour, in the day, in your church today, that will cause the hearts of everyone to tingle. Now, I didn't know then what everything I know that now through Andrew's ministry and other things about grace and whatnot. But I'm just trying to paint a picture. There was this dissatisfaction of I wasn't I didn't like everything I saw happening in the church and different things. In other words, I remember going back to that sophomore prayer time. I remember asking the Lord, said, Lord, you tell me to seek you with all my heart. But the, the God that I see in the Bible and the God I see in a lot of our churches today is not the same God. And I don't like that. And either either you are who you say you are, you do the miracles that you say you do, or you're not. And this is this was just me as a teenager. It says either you are who you are, or you're not who you are. If you're not who you are, I don't want to I don't want to seek you with all my heart. But if you are who you say you are, I do want to seek you with all your heart. I do want that. I was just being trans I was just being blunt. I don't that's the first time I've been to the members being so blunt with God. And why was I asking such a question? Why was I doing that? I believe because there was this holy dissatisfaction in my heart of what I have witnessed, what I wasn't seeing, what I wasn't experiencing. And I wanted to see it. I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be genuine. I wanted this. We are supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We're supposed to be the church of God. We're born of God. We have the spirit of God. We have the finished work of the cross. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be healing sick. We're supposed to be turning the world upside down for Jesus. And I... Uh, and I wasn't seeing that on a consistent basis. I wasn't seeing that on a regular basis. In some ways, I wasn't seeing it at all. And, 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 and there was this holy dissatisfaction. Lord, I want more. I want more of you. I want a more, re I want a, a, a more stronger relationship with you myself. But I want that for my classmates. I want that for my family. I want that for, uh, for anyone I come in contact with. I, want it, I don't want to just go through the motions, though. I don't want to just play church. I don't want to just play Christianity. I want God to be real and alive in my life. But then I also, when we were reading, doing our Bible study a few weeks ago, we were going through Andrew's book, Don't Limit God. And in this book, uh, Andrew talks about Oral Roberts. And, Oral, and, and, and in this teaching about Oral Roberts, Andrew begins to quote how, how Oral Roberts, after his first meeting, when he first started his ministry, how he was sick and tired of the powerlessness in the body of Christ and the lack of healing he was seeing. And he quotes this from Oral Roberts, his own prayer or his own declaration, how Oral Roberts determined... I'm not going to live this way. Either God is true, and God does miracles today, or I'm going to quit serving God and quit playing the game of being a pastor. And when I read that, and when I, we were doing our Bible study, we were sitting on the couch, we were doing the Bible study on, on FaceTime, or on uh, uh, Facebook Live. <coughs> and I remember 
I didn't use those exact words, but that was kind of my prayer as a sophomore. Lord, either you are who you say you are, or you're not. Now, that was my prayer as a sophomore. But I know differently that I'm not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. God's already done the work. God's already given us His Holy Spirit. He's already provided salvation. He's already provided healing. But at the same point in time, there was this holy dissatisfaction. And I heard it in Oral Roberts. I heard it in David Wilkerson talking about King David. And I heard it in my own life. And I'm just trying to paint a picture that I'm... This is how it connected the dots for me. That there's this holy dissatisfaction. I want to see more. Now let me bring this up to speed to everything I know now. I, now that we teach on healing. We teach on uh, provision. We teach on uh, other things in this church and this ministry. Things that we've run through Karen's Bible College and other things. I know differently now. Um, but at the same point in time, there's still this holy dissatisfaction. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see miracles happen. I want to see families reunited. I want to see friendships reunited. I want to see supernatural provision where provision is needed. I, I, read, I remember reading the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, the birth of the church, how they gave them one another and there was no needy among them. Not only were they on fire, not only did they have Pentecost, and we're going to be celebrating Pentecost in two weeks uh, on the 31st, but... On the, on the first Pentecost, after the, the aftermath of the first Pentecost, not only did they have the power of the Holy Spirit, not only were thousands being saved and thousands being healed, but the church was being the church. The church was being a body and meeting one another's needs. And so it, it, was, it was multiple things. But we saw thousands, we saw hundreds being saved and healed and filled with the Holy Spirit, as well as other needs being met. <clears throat> and it's like, Lord, I want to see that in my day. We're still in the in the church age. We're still in we're in a different era in one sense, but we're still in the church age. We're in a different culture. We're in a different uh, we're in a different spot in the timeline, if I can use it that way. But we're still in the church. We still have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We still have the finished work of the cross, and we can experience everything they did in the early church today. But I think in some ways we become mediocre. In some ways we become complacent. In some ways we, we have, the fire has gone out. And it's time to fan the flame. And, it's to, and, and uh, hopefully I'm making sense with you, but uh, uh, know, especially knowing what we know about healing. Especially knowing what we know about the finished work of the cross. Especially knowing what we know about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and other, other things. It's time for us. And I'm not pointing the finger. I'm pointing the finger at me. It's time for me to be the church. It's time to me to get off my soapbox, if you will, in areas where I know I've been moaning and groaning. Even this last couple of weeks, I've been struggling with a few things. It's time for me to, to, to get off that. It's time for me to seek God. It's time to get my focus. It's time to change my attitude. It's time to get fired up in a good way. It's time to... And I'm not... Time to stop playing church. It's time. It's time to live life. It's time to be the head. It's time to be the light of the world. It's time to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We have some friends. We actually have multiple friends who have been sick in the hospital. Some in particular, and, I, and they're just. It's, it's been bothering me the whole time. But it's like enough is enough. It's time to be done with this. And I'm, you know, uh, it, it, 
I want to. I don't want to be mediocre about it. I don't want to be complacent about it. I want to have a holy dissatisfaction that motivates me, that stirs me, and, and with this restlessness until we see breakthrough, until we see deliverance, until we see healing, until we see uh, uh, reconciliation. Whatever, the, 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 whatever we're dealing with, and I know there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. It, a lot of it angers me, a lot of it disturbs me, a lot of it I don't agree with, but we're the head and not the tail. Jesus says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And I have all respect to governments in the sense of their, of their, their office. Maybe not the person, maybe not what they're <coughs> decreeing, but I submit to God. I submit to his leadership. And his word says, by his stripes, we are, we were healed. My, says, my, my Bible says that my God will supply my needs, all of my needs, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God says that he heals the brokenhearted. He sets the captives free. Go with me. I didn't plan going here. Go with me to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, we'll pick it in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the supple year of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. And the day of vengeance of our God to cover all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the plant of the Lord, that he may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of, your, of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God. And you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and their glory shall be, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double, and everlasting joy shall be theirs. I can keep going. It's just, it's just beautiful. I, I, I'm not, not going to spend time uh, piggybacking on everything I read here. But this paints a picture how God has anointed us with His Spirit. God has anointed us with uh, 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 Himself. And we should be seeing different results. God has anointed each one of us listening, uh, even here today, is qualified by the Spirit of God, by the finished work of the cross, to be His ministers, ministry where God has us. And uh, it's, it's time... It, it, it's not time for us to take a back seat. It's not time for us to, to, to just watch it unfold. It's time for us to take the steering wheel. It's time for us to take the reins. Because our God reigns. How beautiful are the mountains at the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who proclaims God tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, and who proclaims and declares to Zion, His church, His bride, His people, Your God reigns. And and, 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 and all, the more I see things going on in our world today, the more this holy dissatisfaction just rises up in my heart. 
Yes, I'm angry at things. Yes, I'm, I'm displeased at things. And, and I can't even get the right emotion about some of this. But at the same point in time, I, I see all this, but I know my God. And I know what God has called me to do. And what God has called me to be. Alright, again, I wasn't going to go here, but go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, I believe it is. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. For all of the promises of God. Not just some. Not just the top five. It's not multiple choice. It's not the luck of the draw. <coughs> For all the promises of God in Him are yes. And in Him, amen, means so be it. To the glory of God through us. We have a part to play. And if all the promises if, are not being manifested in our lives, then there should be a holy dissatisfaction. Because God, all the promises are already amen. They're already yes. God did not say no to any of them. And they're to the glory of God and through us, by us. God is glorified when His promises are being manifested. And there's so many different promises that I can elaborate on, but I, I seem like I always highlight healing and provision and finances. And there's, there's some other things too, as well. But all the promises of God are already, and, and, and I have a part to play, so that they're operating through me, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I, I'm using me as an example, but you put yourself there. The Spirit of God is upon you. And it has anointed you. Maybe you don't know everything. You don't need to know everything. You need to know Him. You need to know Him. Talk about knowing. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. I didn't plan going here either. I'm just, I'm just going. Grace and peace be multiplied. Sorry. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2. I spent a lot of time on here the last few weeks in our previous series, but grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. <clears throat> all things. Sickness is not part of life. Lack is not part of life. Divorce and division is not part of life. He gives all things, uh, all, all things that pertain to life and godliness, being addiction. Sin of various kinds is not part of godliness. Uh, discord is not part of godliness. That he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. We don't need to know everything. We need to know him. And as we know him, we, we, we are going to know everything that's been given to us for life and godliness. Who has called us by glory and virtue. This is what I want to get to. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these promises, we may be partakers of His divine nature. Walking in divine health is being partakers of His divine nature. Walking in divine provision or prosperity is part of His divine nature. Walking in unity with the body of Christ and our marriages and our friendships and different things. And in its right context and its purity and its well-balancedness. I hope I put it in a picture. You know, and I'm not trying to... Anyway... That through these precious promises, you might, by nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world. There's a lot of corruption in this world. There's a lot of corruption in this world. But 
And, the, and we, we're seeing it on the news every day. We're seeing it in the world every day. But we are not governed by the corruption that's in this world. We can walk in His divine nature. And the key is not, in other words, well, I wanted to paint a picture. We're not seeking healing. We're seeking the healer. We're not seeking provision. We're seeking the provider. We're not seeking, I use the word friendship, we're seeking our best friend, Him. We're seeking Him. We're seeking uh, our relationship with Him. And through that relationship, as we seek Him with all of our heart, we will find Him. And when we find but this holy dissatisfaction, I believe, is from God by the Holy Spirit to bring us to Him, to pursue Him, to seek Him. Not other things, not other people. To seek Him. I've had my own emotions in check this week. I need to seek Him. I need to change my attitude. I need to get my focus off myself. I need my focus on Him. I hope I paint a picture. You know, um, I, and one says, I even need to get my, we need to get our focus off the sickness. We need to get our focus on Him. We need to get our focus off other things. And we speak to those things. We curse those sicknesses. We speak to those things. We, we speak to those mouths. We cast, we, we cast them into the sea. We calm the storm. We calm the waves. We do different things. But it flows out of the overflow of a relationship with Him. But we don't have to be satisfied. We don't have to up with any of this junk the enemy throws at us. We pursue him. Am I, am I making sense? As a child, as a teenager, I kept waiting for God to move. God's waiting for me to move. He's already moved. Now he's waiting for me to pursue him, to seek him, to have a relationship with him, to get filled with his spirit, and now start laying hands on the sick, start speaking to some things, start doing things out of a relationship with him. Am I making sense? He said, I will find him when I seek him with all my heart. And, and uh, at times I get off track. I need to get back into the word. I need to get back into his presence. I need, well, we were talking the last few weeks about the spirit of joy and, and, and walking in peace. We need to get back into relationship with him. And, and peace and joy is, is powerful. We, there's, a, there's some mountains we need to move. There's some people that need to be healed. There's some, there's some broken hearts that need to be healed. There's some, there's some, uh, there's, there's some people that need to be cared for. There, uh, I'm not just talking about, uh, about finances and different things. For example, you know, the early church, I see that they, they sold homes to, 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 to meet people's needs. Uh, I'm trying to paint a picture on so many different levels. Is that it's time for us as, uh, to be the church. And, uh, because we have the spirit of God. We have the fullness of God. We have the finished work of the cross. And we don't have to put up with a lot of this other stuff. And, 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 and I want to be so dissatisfied with anything that's not of God. Am I making sense this morning? Uh, got way ahead of my notes here. It says in Matthew, go, go with me to Matthew 7, 7. and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened to you. 
I believe we have to get to the point where we won't live with anything less than the fullness of God. We won't live with anything less than what God has provided for us in the finished work of the cross. What God has provided for us through all of his promises, through everything that pertains to life and godliness. That we won't settle for less. I don't want to settle for second best. I don't want to settle for, for mediocre. I want to settle for everything God has provided to me in Christ. I believe this holy satisfaction attitude is missing in many of our lives at times. Some of us, we never have this. But I, I, I just know this, this holy dissatisfaction has been many times a drive to get me back into his word. To get me back into his presence. To get me back into, to even get my focus off whatever I'm whining and complaining about. And get my focus on him. And using that attitude of discontentment, in a sense, to change the circumstance. To change the music. To, to heal the sick. To... to, to to not let sickness be my Lord, but let God be my Lord. He's my Savior. Not letting my pity party be my Lord and my attitude and dominate my attitude for the week, but allowing Him, His joy, His peace, His promises to be my attitude for the week. Does that make sense? And, and uh, over, uh, I believe we need to raise a bar of expectancy. We need to raise a bar of expectancy in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our friends. Much of the church has lowered their expectancies regarding health and finances and other things. We need to, we need to raise a bar. Because I know what God, my God says, He'll meet all my needs according to His riches. My Bible says, by His stripes, we were healed. And I need to raise a bar of expectancy. I don't want less than what God's provided for me. At the same point in time, everything I'm trying to teach, everything I'm trying to portray, I also understand, I realize, we don't learn this necessarily overnight. It's called a walk with God. It's called discipleship. It's called a journey. We, we don't necessarily master this overnight. And sometimes we, we lose our way in, in, the, in the midst of the journey. We get off track. We, we, we have... We had, there's a traffic jam, and we had to deviate. We had to take a detour. We took a detour many times. But we need to get back into His Word. And we, we, we're learning. We're, not, we might, we're going to make a few stumbles. We're going to get off, the, off a few times. We just need to get back. Back on course. Back in His path. I know I needed to do that even this week. We need to seek God with all of our heart. We need, we, need, we need to keep seeking Him. And not give up. We need to keep knocking and not give up. We need to keep asking and not give up. We need to ask and expect that he's going to answer. And he's going to respond according to his word. According to his promises. Go with me real quick. And this is where we're going to get to. Ephesians chapter 1. None of this is supposed to be a put-down. That's not what I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to stir us up. I'm trying to stir up our expectancy. And at the same point in time, I also know that there's sometimes when we're in a battle, we, and especially the longevity of the battle, we get tired. And we need to not grow weary in doing good. I've gotten tired in the battle many times. I got tired this last couple of weeks. 
but it's time to brush that off. It's time to go forward. It's time to, to, to do and be who God's called me to be and do what God's called me to do. Uh, we, get, we, we get off track. But uh, Paul's praying here in first, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the seeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, but not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things, he put all things, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of all who fills all in all. God has put all things underneath our feet, including sickness, including lack, including other, other, other issues of the curse of the fall. So I want you to notice here, going back to verse 17 and 18, that Paul was praying very earnestly that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That we would know the hope of our calling. That our eyes would be opened. That we would know this. In other words, Paul was not praying that... Uh, I'm sorry, let me just read my notes here for a second. He was praying for a release into the physical what was already present in the spiritual. Paul did not pray that God would give us more things. Paul was praying that we would get a revelation of what we already have in Christ Jesus. So that we can begin to walk in it. We can begin to use it. We can begin to appropriate it. He would, Paul wasn't praying for more things. He wasn't praying for God to do something new. He was praying for us to get a revelation of what God had already done through the finished work of the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the power of his resurrection. Is that making sense with you? Christ is in us. His fullness is in us. His spirit is in us. We have been redeemed. We are the righteousness of God. We, with the spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us. We, uh, we are all able ministers of the new covenant. And he has put all things, all principalities and powers, everything underneath our feet, the church. We're not governed by even our government to a certain level. Civilly, yes. Spiritually, no. And uh, even civilly, I know there's, I'm not going to get into politics. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm just saying, he is our Lord and our Savior. He is our King. And to the degree that we need to obey and submit to our, our, our civil leaders, we will. But we will, when, they, when, when his principles collide with the civil principles, we will obey him. I'm not here to revolt. I'm not here to rebel necessarily. I'm here to serve God. And I'm here to proclaim his kingdom. I'm here to say the kingdom of God is here. Be healed. Be whole. I don't, anything that's contrary to the finished work of the cross cannot reign in my life. Sin cannot reign in my life. Sickness cannot reign in my life. Lack cannot reign in my life. Division, discord cannot reign in my life. God reigns in my life. 
In the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, power goes on to say, against the same, there is no law. Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Depression doesn't, doesn't reign in my life. Anger doesn't reign in my life. Uh, uh, discouragement doesn't reign in my life. Hope that deferred makes the heart sick. That kind of sickness does not reign in my life. God is my God. He is my hope. My hope and my trust and my reliance and my blessed assurance is in Him. My wonderful Savior. My King. My God. And I, I'm trying to stir us not to get our eyes off the problem and get our eyes on Jesus and let this holy dissatisfaction stir us, motivate us, that we have a God that reigns. He's alive. And he wants to be alive in our lives. He wants to be alive in our, our church. And he's a, God that, he's a God of miracles. He's a good God. He wants to work in our lives. He wants to do exploits in our, in, in our lives, in our midst. But we need, we need to, we can't, we can't be, just go with the flow of something. We need to actually change the flow. <laughs> we need, we might not be popular. We may be different. We might be the outcast. We might be the only ones at times. But we know our God. And we're, we might be alone like Daniel at times. We might be alone like Joseph at times. We might be alone, the only one that's going to fight Goliath. And yet, we're, he, I mean, he's out of our league. Not only is he bigger than the armies of Israel and the king Saul, he was, David was just a boy. But David wasn't focused on his size. David wasn't focused on anything. He was just focused on... How dare this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? How dare this sickness defy my family, my life, my body? How dare these things defy my finances and my purpose and my destiny? How dare these things defy my marriage and my relationships and, or, or even my own, my own sanity of being depressed or discouraged or anger or whatever. I'm not going to be controlled by emotions. I'm going to be controlled by the spirit of the living God who's living in me. There's going to be the holy satisfaction that rises up in me that says enough is enough. It's time to live. It's time to reign. It's time to be whole. It's time to, to, to experience the salvation of God in my life, in my marriage, in my family, my husband, my wife, my kids, whatever it might be. Hopefully you get my heart beating all of this. I don't necessarily have a lot of points. Maybe I should come up with those. I'm just going down the trail of where I started. You know, sometimes when uh, we just need to go back to our beginnings. Where it all started. Some of us maybe think, I don't have a starting point like that. Well, it can start today. Today, the Lord, it can be a new day. We can get off this track. We can get off... We, we can, you know, sometimes, in, just emotionally, I see myself going to an old record player, taking off the record, smashing it over my knee, and I'm, whether I'm discouraged or whether I'm moping or complaining or whatever the case may be, and it's time to put on a new song. It's time to play a new music. And as a music of focusing, magnifying God, I want to see Him magnified in my life, in my marriage, in my ministry, and everything God has called me to do. Hopefully I'm making sense. But I'm praying that we have a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of Him. Go with me real quick to First uh, Corinthians 13. Verse 12. I just want to make a quick comment here. 
where it says, For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three for the great ages of love. Actually, verse 12 is very well, but I spoke this on. And I just want to make a quick, simple point here. I just read from Ephesians 1 how Paul is praying that we would have the spirit of revelation and knowledge, uh, uh, wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. And yet Paul, Paul is, the apostle Paul is one that I consider as having a, a, a great revelation of God, of God's nature, of God's purpose, of God's gospel. And yet Paul he says of himself that we, because he includes himself in the statement, that we see in a mirror dimly, and we see through a glass darkly. Um, he, in other words, I just want to read my notes. He compared his own spiritual perception to looking through a dirty glass. And uh, even Paul was praying that he would have a bigger and stronger revelation of God. In one sense, none of us have completely arrived in the sense that because if we have we'd be acting differently more consistently but even Paul as consistent as I see him in his ministry he even says he doesn't he hasn't understood it all I'm also trying to paint a picture don't put yourself down if you say I don't understand everything like Paul I don't understand everything like Andrew or myself or others there's a place to start start with what you have Start with what you know. And as you pursue a relationship with Him, you'll know more. Even when I was a teenager praying those prayers, I didn't know half of what I know in the now. But I, and I, I don't even think I know half now what I can know in the future. But we're starting somewhere. But let that holy dissatisfaction drive you to know more, to seek Him more. Am I making sense with this? Uh, it, it, it makes sense to me. I'm just hoping it makes sense to you. Uh, you know, um, it says, I don't have a turn to it, but it says that we're already seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 1 how we're born into victory. We don't have to just receive victory. We're born into it. Know who you are. Know who you have. Know what you have. Know what you can do to Christ Jesus. And you can do exploits. You can change the course of things. Think, I don't care how long it's gone, how, how big it is, how, or how complex it is. We have an amazing God, and He has filled you with His fullness. You have the words of life, and you can speak those words into your situation. And those mountains must move. Those storms must stop. Those waves must be at peace. That you can answer the fig tree. You can answer it again and again and again. Put your trust in God. Let this dissatisfaction drive you, motivate you to change things. To seek Him. That makes sense? We can use this dissatisfaction and have a pity party. Or we can use this dissatisfaction to motivate us to change things. Again, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. We're not against people. I'm not even against different politicians in and of themselves. My wrestle is not with them if there's a spirit behind it. 
That makes sense? I respect the office. I rebuke the spirit. I respect the nature of it. Where it's coming from. It's either coming from God or it's coming from the enemy. Our flesh. Which I just turn all back to the enemy. If it's not of God, it's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. That makes sense? I still respect the office, but I don't respect the spirit behind it. But at the same point in time, I'm not trying to speak politics. I'm just thinking, left, don't have a pity party. It's okay to be angry. It's, not, it's okay. To, Jesus uses anger to, to, uh, 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 to turn over the tables and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, the money changers at the temple. There's a way to, to, uh, to, to do that. But I also want to be effective. And I'm saying it wasn't effective. I didn't, I'm not saying that didn't need to be done. I'm not saying that we don't have to do stuff like that at times. I'm not against uh, protesting in this right way. But at the same point in time, I also know that God has put all things underneath our feet, the church. And the kingdom of God is here. He gave us the keys of the kingdom. That whatever we come together and we loose will be loose. Whatever we come together and bind, it will be bound. The, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural, but they're bringing down our strongholds. But we, 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 we bring all of our imaginations and the thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, every imagination, we, we, come, we, we bring it to the obedience of Christ. And I'm not saying there's not some natural. There's times Paul spoke up. About being beaten when he wasn't, wasn't being justified. And he commanded them to apologize. I'm not saying there's not time. That's not even what I'm trying to get at. My point is that let's use this holy dissatisfaction to get into God's presence and do what he tells us to do. If he tells us to do something, do it. It might be radical. Uh, you know, praise God there was people like uh, Martin Luther who actually uh, uh, started the Reformation. He wasn't trying to start a war, but he was trying to start a change of things. Sometimes we need someone to, to buck the system. Sometimes we need someone who's going to change something. Sometimes we need to buck the system in our own minds, our own way of thinking, our own way of processing things. Not necessarily to become a rebel, but, to, but, but in one sense, against the enemy and against what he's doing and the, and, the, and, the, and the things that the enemy is doing to destroy our families and the different things. Yeah, we are going to rebel against that. We're going to revolt against that. But we're going to serve God. Am I making sense? But God will use this holy dissatisfaction to stir us, to motivate us. Sometimes if you don't, if you don't, if you don't stir it up, sometimes you're going to just settle to the bottom. Just think of that. Whatever doesn't get stirred up gets settled to the bottom. And I want to stir up the Spirit of God. I want to stir up the things of God. I want to stir up what God has promised me. I want to stir that up. And God will use a holy dissatisfaction to stir us up. Are you angry about anything that's not of God? Are you dissatisfied? Use that to motivate you to change things. Hopefully that's making sense. I want to end on one other note, and uh, go with me real quick to, like, I think I'm going to close with this. First Corinthians chapter 3.
First Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each other's work of which sort it is. Again, I don't, I there's a lot here that I, I can elaborate and build on. First of all, we know that Jesus is the foundation. And we're here at this church and most churches to lay the foundation, which is Christ. And that's the most important part. That is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. But he talks about, Paul talks about how different builders build on this foundation, which is Christ. Some use gold, silver, and precious stones, while others use wood, hay, and straw. We know that when something's tested by fire, wood, hay, and straw is going to be devoured by our precious metals and silver and gold will be purified through that process of fire. Now many have used this as a, have thought that um, this is God judging everything that we do. But sometimes we build our lives in our own way. Sometimes we can even do things that are godly, good, noble, spiritual, biblical, but they're not what God called us to do. That makes sense? I want to do what God called me to do, not just because I want to do it. I also, sometimes we do things because we have a, a talent. And sometimes that can be what God calls us to do. But sometimes God's not going to use us because you have a talent. Sometimes, you know, sometimes if it's something I can do, if it's something I can do then I'm going to be relying on me to do it. Sometimes God will call us to do things that you don't even have ability to do it. You're going to have to totally rely on God. I don't know where this all fits in, but I just felt led to share this even in the midst of this holy dissatisfaction. Then I want to talk about holy dissatisfaction. And Andrew, when he's talking about holy dissatisfaction, he uses this, and he's talking about knowing God's will and knowing what God wants you to do. Some people are not satisfied because they don't even know they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're lost in that. And I understand that. I've been there before. And there's times like even these last couple of weeks when I got a little discouraged about a few things that I sometimes lose my purpose. Why am I here? What am I doing? And I even lose sight of my purpose. I even lose sight of what I'm doing. And sometimes I find myself doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm just going even through the motions. Because in the moment... In that, in that day or that week, I've been so emotionally distracted, spiritually distracted, that I'm just, I'm going through the, the motions and I'm not doing what, I'm not, my heart's not it. I've lost my way. I've lost, I lost my focus. I'm, I'm not making sense. And I have to get back into God's presence. I need to get back into hearing from God and doing what God's called me to do. And even though I'm doing what God's called me to do, I can't be doing it my way. I need to do it His way. 
God's way at conquering Jericho was walking around the wall seven times on the seventh day seven times. You know, that wasn't Joshua's idea. He didn't come up with that. You know, there's other strategies we see in the scripture. And my, my point is this. Do what God's called you to do. And, find, and, uh, and how you, and some of us don't even know what that is, but how do we find out? I believe we go back to where we started. We seek Him. We'll find Him when we seek Him with all of our heart. Jesus didn't do anything He didn't see the Father doing. You know, this whole coronavirus didn't catch God by surprise. It's not of Him. It's not him. And I'm not saying there's not areas where we don't stand up. I'm not saying there's not areas where we don't do things very well. So, but do what God calls us to do. At the same point in time, there are innovative ways to get around things. There are innovative ways for us to still do church to technology and whatnot. It's not ideal. And I'm not saying we're going to always do it just this way. But at the same point in time, there are more ways to reach. My job is to edify the, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to edify one another. That's what God tells me to do. According to Ephesians chapter four, verse, I mean, four, four verses eleven to twelve, I can edify, I can uh, equip people more than through a building. We're praying for a building. We're praying for a location. We we want all of that, but there are more innovative ways to reach people than just through normal church setting. At the same point in time, there are restrictions because of our governments in different places. And we're not limited by that because through prayer, through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, we can change things. I don't know how things will get changed. So, for example, the hospitals can be opened in different things. That's just one example. There's other examples. Some of you have not been on furlough. They've been furlough on a long time. I don't know how to change things in the natural so you can get back to work. But I do know that I do pray, as Paul prayed, that you have the spirit of revelation and knowledge and wisdom and knowledge and wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. That you would know the hope of his calling. That when you seek him, you can talk to that storm. You can talk to that mountain. You can talk to that hospital. You can talk to that workplace. You can talk to, to that thing. And you can command it to open up. I don't know how things will happen. I don't know how things come into place. Uh, but I just know I've, enough is enough. And maybe, let's just use the hospital situation. <clears throat> maybe we can't get the hospital to change, but we can get our loved ones to come home. They can be healed. And they can come home. Uh, there's more than one way to, to change a light bulb, so to speak. There's more than one way to come. Jesus, when he healed the blind man, one, he spat in his face. One, he put mud. The other one, he just spoke to. There's more than one way to heal a blind person. There's more than one, one, one way to see victory. But do what God calls you to do. Do, maybe, maybe uh, protesting is what God's called us to do. Do it. And I'm just using that as one, one avenue. But there's other, other things we can talk about in, 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 in marriages. We can talk about things in finances and different things. Maybe I uh, go back to the job situation. Maybe that job will or will not open and whatnot. But there's more than one way that God will provide your needs to meet the needs of your family. If God can bring Raven to a prophet Elijah at a brook, he can bring things to you. If he can bring manna, if he can bring things to you, if he can put a, 
a coin in the fish's mouth. If he can cause the widow's oil to, to, to pay off her debts, uh, to be multiplied to pay off her debts. We have an awesome God, and there's more than one way. We, in other words, we are not limited by the world. We are not little. We have an awesome God. And allow these things that are disturbing, this holy dissatisfaction to stir you to find out from God what, how do we respond. What do we do? There was times the apostles were restricted from preaching the gospel and doing different things. Sometimes they did it anyway. Sometimes they did other things. But do what God calls you to do. Am I making sense? I just, I just felt glad to share some of these things today. I don't, I don't even feel like I shared all of it or uh, wanted to share. But I, know, I just know with me in my life right now, because some of the things that I've been dissatisfied with, I've had to change the music. I've had to change my attitude. I've had to change some things. And in changing that, I've actually got back on track. I'm not completely there, but I'm getting in that direction. I'm getting back into my groove. I'm getting, I'm getting that fire back. I'm getting my, my purpose back. I'm not all the way there, but I'm, 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 I'm by, God, by the Spirit of God, by the nature of God, by the Word of God, and everything. I'm getting back. And I'm changing the music. And, and, and uh, I'm just hoping that's being somewhat contagious today in your circumstances, in your situation. Uh, and, uh, anyway, making sense? Lord, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. I don't know if I can completely can convey in my heart what I wanted to say. What you burned in my heart to say. But, Lord, you know what you want to say. I pray that you speak to everyone listening, everyone that you've spoken to. That we would use these holy dissatisfactions to stir us, to, to, to spur us on to good deeds, and to do and be what you want us to do. Lord, use us. Maybe you're calling some of us to do some, something that's very radical. It's just over the top. But Lord, help us to know that we know that we know this is what you've called us to do, and we're going to go do it. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, we magnify you, bless us as we go. In your name we give you thanks. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6.